0: And, and laughter and handshakes and hugs. So we just uh, are the family of God, a church family of brothers and sisters that are doing our best to love the Lord wherever we are in life and to grow and to be like Jesus more in, and more. And uh, we praise God for our time of being able to celebrate family and friendship and just, uh, to be together to come before the Lord. And that's what we're doing today. I remember making an announcement about six weeks ago, trying to encourage everybody, 10.45 a.m., we want to be in here. It's our call to worship and scripture reading. And I'm just out there fellowshipping away and really wrapped up in it, having a great conversation. And someone says, it's time to go in. And I look and it's 10.46 and I'm the one that's late. So, uh, But we want to continue to try to be in here for our call to worship. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand one more time. And uh, we're going to have a scripture reading. We stand to honor the Word of God. And today, in part four of our sermon series, Core Values, we are reminded of the importance of the Word of God to the Christian, the follower of Christ. And out of Psalm 119... We'll read these two slides, so would you join me? You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways, and I have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I'm a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love. Lord, teach me your decrees. You may be seated. We give praise for the word of God in our lives and the direction that it gives each and every one of us. It is a blessing. It tastes like honey to our lips. And we make room for it in our heart and our lives. And God strengthens us and encourages us in our daily walk. In our sermon series, Core Values, we are listing and working on the five core values that we think really focus what is essential here at Kentwood Christian Church in terms of each and every one of us individually fulfilling our mission statement of being disciples who love and live like Jesus. And yet, while we do that as individual Christians, we also do it as a church family. Being disciples who love and live like Jesus really is, in essence, a reflection of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus tells His disciples to go into all the world and make disciples, and teaching them to obey everything that He has commanded and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you see in the description, being disciples who love and live like Jesus, the word being was carefully selected because it implies that we all are a work in progress in terms of our growth and our maturity. In one hand, as we give ourselves to the Lord in faith and trust, we're His disciples, washed in His blood, covered in the waters of baptism and committed life of obedience and surrender, but it is definitely a process of growth and maturity. Sometimes we take great strides forward, and then other times we find ourselves slipping, and then we gather ourselves, and we look back to the Lord and focus on Him and begin that walk again. Sometimes our faith journey is like we feel like we're on the mountain peak. This is great. It's wonderful. Could it get any better? And then other times we really feel like we are in the deep dark valley and that we are failing and falling short and disappointing God. But that's just the way life and flesh and spiritual pursuit is for all of us. But loving and living like Jesus, what a high calling that is in our life. To put your life up aside uh, the life of Jesus and to ask yourself with all sincerity, am I loving like He loved? Am I living like He lived? Is a challenge. And we believe as a leadership, That this call of us being disciples, that love and live like Him, is crucial. It's our mission statement. We want you to know it. We want you to have it memorized. We want you to think and focus. So I encourage you in the cause of being a disciple who loves and lives like Jesus. How do you do that? And that's where core values come in. You could probably list a thousand things that you could be about in the kingdom realm, but we came up with five that we feel like really covers the areas in a person's life, a church's life, that they should implement and be a part of. The first was, core value number one, celebrate who God is at our Sunday morning worship service. There is nothing, I think, probably more important in the life of a believer than gathering with other believers to assemble assemble in the name of God and worship our Lord and our King Jesus Christ. We do that as we break bread and as we drink from the cup, remembering His sacrifice and what He's done for us. So we gather and we're happy. Even if we have heartbreak in our life, we're happy because we are coming together in the name of Jesus Christ and in honor of our great God and Father to worship Him. And we celebrate that. Worship is to be a celebration. Not a time where we come in with sour faces, downcast, frustrated, unhappy, but we celebrate. We celebrate God. I think of the parties that we have with our children or our grandchildren or someone who retires, or a new job, or the birth of a baby, or a wedding, or a wedding reception, and there's absolute celebration in those life events for people. Well, this is a life event in the life of the church. And so we celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Because the Lord our God has commanded us in Scripture... Not to give up meeting together. As some, maybe even many, are in the habit of doing. But to come together more and more. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Whether it's the great day of judgment. Or whether it's the day of gathering on a Sunday, the first of the week. We gather. And then last Two weeks ago, core value number two, connect with one another in a small group. We just get connected with one another in small groups. And we do life together and we are able to share and be joyous there. And there's times we're a little bit more intimate about the struggles that we're facing with people that we can be transparent with and we can share our weaknesses, our sin, our shortcomings and yet celebrate the different things that God is doing in our lives, but we we grow close to one another. And then last week, core value number three, commit or contribute to God's mission by tithing and serving. And my hope last week, as we talked about tithing and serving, as we combined those two spiritual disciplines, was the idea that what we heard was... That God is the greatest giver of all. God is not a taker. He gives, gives, gives. And our response in our tithing, in our giving, in our serving is in response to our love for Him. We do it freely. We do it cheerfully. And I am humbled, proud, and honored to announce that last week our collection fell just short of $18,000. Amen? Amen. Allowing us to to catch up on a lot of things. And uh, what a blessing. What a blessing. This week in part four, commit to being students of God's word and prayer. And that's the reason for the reading of Psalm 119. The book of Psalm, especially 119, hammers away at the idea that for the believer, the Word of God is everything. It means everything. It's not a supplemental book to life. It is the book of life. And within the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, we find how to live life, how to please God, what God has done and what God is doing. We find strength. We find encouragement. We find hope in God's Word. And the God that we read about in Scripture is the God that says, Talk to me call out to me, pray to me. I want a relationship with my children. And so this idea of a core value, number four in our lives, is that we do commit, we truly commit, we step out to be students of God's Word and prayer. And so, there we're asking the question, are you in God's Word? Should a week go by in our lives that we're not in God's Word? Should a day go by that we don't cry out to God in prayer? Your Word, O Lord, is a light to my feet and a guide to my path. In the Holy Scriptures, whatever you're facing, God has the answer for you. Whatever it is, whatever the struggle, whatever the decision, whatever the issue, God's Word has the answer for you. So it's critical that we, the people, the children of God, be students of God's Word. But we do find it hard, don't we, to be in the Bible on a weekly, even daily basis. True? We set Bibles on coffee tables in the back seats of our cars. We may even carry them into church. I bring mine in my phone. But it's a different thing to be in God's Word. You see, being a student of God's Word is different than just showing up at church building and sitting and listening to a minister or sitting in the Bible class. It's exposure to the Word of God in those ways. But those unique times where you open the Scripture and you're in it and reading and hearing from the Lord is something that's very special for you and your God that takes place. There's a passive Scripture where Paul, writing to Timothy, says, But mark this. That's how important it is. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You really would not know that if God didn't tell you that. And is it true Or am I just really off the mark myself? But isn't that growing more and more in our culture today? Lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Paul says, mark this, Timothy. Be aware of it. Live with it in view. This is what you are facing. We're facing it too. And I believe in extreme measures. And then, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Paul says, I've experienced all of the struggle, and I want Timothy and the churches to know that God rescued me out of all of these struggles. And the implication for Timothy and those who hear the word of God is that you have like-manner spiritual struggles in this world, and your God will rescue you from them as well. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Sounds sort of like a battleground, don't it? That's what we face, that's what we're in, that's what we live with. And without... Prayer to God without laying down in the Scriptures and resting in those Scriptures and filling our lives with God's truth and promises. How does anyone survive? Only by the grace of God. Be a student of God's Word. That's why I try to close out every Sunday morning by saying, stay close to the Lord and stay in His Word. Stay close, Lord, and stay in His Word. Because when you stay in His Word, you'll stay close to the Lord. And if you stay close to the Lord, you'll stay in His Word. And strength His strength will fill you to whatever you must face in life. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from those whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Paul says of Timothy, from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. Now that's hyperbole. It's a little bit of an exaggerated statement, but I think the intent is saying your grandmother and your mother were women of faith. And when you were a little bitty baby and could understand nothing, they exposed you to the presence of God that was in their lives. They exposed you as your formative years started, they were there talking about the things of God. From your infancy, you were exposed to God. And on Grandparents' Day, September the 9th, we said, grandparents, we've got to come alongside our parents, the parents and the grandchildren, to do all that we could and can to expose them to the Word of God. That's what Paul focuses as he's talking here with Timothy. You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Because the Scriptures teach what comes when we believe, when we confess, when we repent, when we're baptized. The Scriptures teach about salvation. The Scriptures teach what is to come, the resurrection of the dead, Oh, the glorious day where there will be no more tears and no more sadness, but that we will be with the Lord in a new spiritual heavenly body to be in His presence forever and ever. That's what the Scriptures teach. They make us wise. And then the verse that I hope you know so well. It's where Paul says all Scripture All of it, all Scripture is God-breathed. It comes out of God. It doesn't come from man. Man didn't create the Scripture. God gave it. It is of God. It's breathed by God from His Spirit. And it's given to us, the world, mankind, His church, believers, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful. It has a purpose for our life. And he goes on and he says what? It is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training. The Scriptures teach me. The, The Scriptures correct me when I'm off course in my thinking. Whenever I've taken my eyes off the Lord, the Scriptures speak to me. They rebuke me. And the Scriptures train me. And that is what God is giving out of Himself to us. Not only do they teach, correct, rebuke, and train me, in the relationships that we have, there are times... That we have to teach someone. We have to correct someone. And there are times we have to rebuke someone. The rebuking, hopefully, is not often. But it does come. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There's times to really get real and there's tough love. Remember years ago there was this individual who had lost his job and he wanted to meet because he was ready to give up and just didn't believe God was there anymore. God don't care. Now he lost his job because he needed to lose his job. It was his fault. But he felt like, you know, God doesn't love me, and God's not opening doors for me. And we're sitting at Logan eating lunch, and he just goes on and on and on. And we're, we're good friends. But in those meetings, for me, in my role, remembering the words of Paul from Galatians 3, 16 and 17... Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Is this what's going to happen? Because there's some things that need to be said. He's whining. He's blaming God. He's ready to give up his faith. Oh, why me? No doors are opening. And I said, you've sat here and told me that you got a a severance pay of four months. That's unheard of. and your wife just finished school, and she got a full-time job, which is a great job. How is God letting you down? Tell me. Explain it to me. This is ridiculous. It was probably a little harder than that. And I'm telling you, he's sort of like, he had an epiphany. What am I whining about? But there's times in our lives that we correct and we do rebuke. God should be receiving the glory in your life and you're whining and talking badly about Him because He's let you down. how? Oh. Oh. Or different relationships with spouses they want to meet. Help us save our marriage. And those are some of the hardest meetings because of the hardest conversations you have to have. You can go into a marital counseling session where someone has cheated on the other and there is nothing that's easy in that kind of meeting. And someone says to you, What should I do? And if he's the offending party, somewhere you have to get real and say, are you really asking me that? Stop cheating on your spouse. God says, honor your marriage. God says, love your spouse unconditionally. There's times that God's rebuke through you in love gets the person's attention, and there's times it don't. But that is the importance of God's Word in our lives, knowing how to go into situations, to talk with people. It's not always easy, and most of the time it can be very difficult. All Scripture comes out of God and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Through time and exposure to God's word it changes who we are how we talk what we do the way we live and the way that we interact with people because we are striving for being disciples who love and live like Jesus. We have accepted that high calling as we stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ and we remain unwavering. Listen to what Peter says as we think about God's word. Paul has just said it comes out of God, it's God-breathed. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Now look at that, a light shining in a dark place. The Word of God, the prophetic message is light. There's no darkness, there's no shadow and that light shines in a dark world. There's. As to the light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And then he hammers this away. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You and I, the church worldwide, can stand strong on the fact that God's word is truth, it is reliable, it is enduring, it is everlasting, it is infallible. It is what this world needs. It is what we need. It's what you need. Because it exposes the dark areas in our life. And we can sit back and be confident that this is God speaking to me. Not Patrick. Not another leader. Not an elder. Not some friend. Not some man-made stuff but given to us from God. And then As we commit to being students of God's Word and prayer, this is what the Hebrew writer says about Scripture. For the Word of God is alive and active. You see, the book that you open up whenever you go to read God's Word isn't a dead book. It is a Spirit-filled book. You read those words, God's Spirit is there. God's Spirit is active. God's Spirit is is alive and everlasting. And you know as well as I do, if you are a student of God's Word, when you read those words, they speak to you in a different way than any other book. They challenge you. They convict you. They encourage you. They make you mad. They make you sad. Sometimes they make you cry. But the Word of God speaks to you in a way that no other manuscript does because it's alive and and active like no other text in the world is. This is given from God. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. What does it do? It penetrates our lives. It goes to the degree of dividing the soul and the spirit of man, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Doesn't it do that? Oh, you get in a place in your life, and you think, oh, I've something's happened and you said this and i've been wronged and oh i'm justified i'm going to get you this is what i want to say anybody ever have that ever have those conversations yourself i see all the head shaking i have them conversations all the time and i said the whole time i'm having them going they're wrong it's wrong but lord i'm venting to you here we are, Lord, out in the garden. I'm going to vent to you because I know this is wrong. This is not the way to be. It's not the way to feel. And what, Lord? The reason I know it's wrong because you're convincing my heart that when I think these things, it's the wrong attitude because it is not to love nor to live like Jesus. We don't love and live like Jesus just when it's convenient. We don't love and live like Jesus just when it's easy. We are dedicated to love and live like Jesus all the time. And the Word of God is what prods and reminds our conscience, our souls, and our spirits when we get off course in our relationship with one another. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. God sees everything. He knows everything. He knows the intent. He knows the heart. He knows, He sees, He hears. God knows it all. There's no escaping the all-seeing, all-knowing eye and mind of God. You can't hide it. I can't hide it. So we confess it and we give it to the Lord and we submit and allow His Word to work in our lives. Everything is uncovered. And laid bare before the eyes of him. Who we must give an account. We all will give an account. Of our lives. We all will give an account. Or whether we strive to be disciples. Who loved and lived like Jesus. Whatever terminology you use. We all will give an account. So my prayer. Really, my prayer is for the Kentwood Christian Church to be a church family that has these five core values implemented in our lives so that we can fulfill our mission. And that through that, grace and love and invitation and encouragement to all may find a place to walk in these doors worship the lord sit by a friend pray hear a portion of god's word and celebrate the goodness of god in our lives and i pray that we will all join hand in hand to do that Would you pray with me before we continue with worship? Oh, Lord, help us, Lord, to truly commit to being students of your word and to prayer. We praise your name. You are such a good and kind God. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? As we begin our time of prayer and worship, As our team leads us in praise, we will have prayer teams up front, the side, and today we simply want to pray that we will grow in the truth of God's Word. Please pray that together as a church family.